0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the last episode of 2020 of the Balls Over the Top podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rock.
1: And I'm Brendan Collins, and we've got another great week of sports to talk about. So we can jump right into it with a little bit of world football talk.
0: Yeah, we're excited to be with you tonight and excited to talk to you about what's been a crazy week in the Premier League. I mean, we knew that it was going to get crazy, you know. It was an ad campaign, heck, for for NBC. 40 matches in 17 days. Yeah. But, wow, it has been crazy. And we've seen some absolutely stunning results. I mean, really all over the board. Starting, but we'll start with Match Day 15, which took place on Boxing Day and over the past weekend. We saw a lot of shocking results. Leicester City and Man United finished at a 2-2 draw on a match that really looked like it was either sides for much of the match.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was a very back-and-forth game. It's one of those ones where it's almost a shame to see it end up in a draw, but also both teams kind of deserved to come out of this one with points.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were definitely hard-fought points, the, but the two managers are going to come out of it acting happy and, and, you know, treating this match as a feather in their cap, especially given the recent success of both of these clubs in the domestic campaigns, yeah, it's it's a big result. I mean, neither side really could have afforded to drop all three. They both settled with splitting the match. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare moving forward. I mean, Leicester, we already saw their match day 16 get off to a pretty boring start today in that 1-1 draw against Palace. They're one of... They're one of four teams, two matches that that were already played in match day 16. And United, I mean, they have a big game coming up tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, how they fare. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be neat, neat to see managerially how this is all managed with these players playing these games in such rapid succession. Yeah, You know, how they strategize, how they allocate personnel, utilize their subs. And if we see the fatigue, especially when you're seeing, you know, them having a, a big-time opponent like Leicester City, that takes a lot out of you.
1: Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's a very... Leicester City is a very grindy team because, you know, with a counterattacking side, you have to be very responsible, and you also have to be quite fit because you're going to have to wind up chasing people down. It takes a lot of effort.
0: Yeah, so definitely a... Uh, definitely a, a lot to keep an eye on there you know and, and remember it doesn't get any easier for united as their match tomorrow isn't against you know a pushover they play wolves tomorrow right that's a formidable side yeah that is a very very good side yeah it's the monster of the mid table right i mean and and you know we're going to get to them again in a second with their match day 15 but we see that you know They've been playing. They've been rising up to play against the big boys of late. Absolutely. But we're going to move on to a match that I don't really want to talk about, but I will. Chelsea's rough form really continues. You know, I thought they got out of it with their big three-one victory this past week against West Brom, but here we are losing three to one against Arsenal. Just a match that, oh, it hurt to watch. I mean, I was watching this with some Arsenal fans on the line. I mean, it it starts out with a penalty that gets called on Chelsea where when they slow it down and they go frame by frame and every which angle that they had, literally every angle that they had, I couldn't see a single bit of contact leading up to the player going down. It looked more like simulation. The announcers are saying, oh, they're going to call this off. This isn't going to. My buddy, who's an Arsenal fan, is saying, oh, yeah, they should call this one off. And sure enough, what's VAR even here for? No. The, ref- the, the field, the, they, they don't rule it as an obvious error. They uphold the penalty. He converts it. Chelsea's playing catch up. Then, right before the half, yeah, Granit Xhaka scores a remarkable free kick goal. That one's just you got to give it to him, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they go up three nil with a with a ball played across that was meant to be a cross. The player mishits it and it loops into the top of the net. I mean, brutal loss for Chelsea. I felt ter- felt terrible for Mendy. I mean, he finds himself conceding three goals when really uh, I wouldn't have even put him on the hook for any of them. Right. And. You know Chelsea, even at the end, had a chance. They looked the better team the whole match. They they scored toward the end with a Olivier Giroud, or I think it was Olivier. Giroud. No, it might have been Tammy. It was Tammy Abraham off the chest. Yeah, and then Giroud scored today. Drew scored today. You know Tammy Abraham puts one in off the chest. They earn themselves a penalty kick just moments later, and Jorginho can't convert on what was really just an uninspired. Attempt. Yeah, shot. It really just you could tell from the run up it wasn't going. So this Chelsea team's got to figure it out. They follow that up with an abysmal draw today against Aston Villa. Yeah, but
1: El Guzzi has been I mean, one of the best scorers in December. He's and, up to and, five goals this month.
0: And and our Aston Villa's been in solid form most of the year. I mean, they're they're holding up really well on the table, but you know, it's a match where, at, with the halftime lead after Giroud gives you the lead, you would expect and hope to keep against a side like Aston Villa, especially, especially given the run of form you're in.
1: Well, uh, and, and where you're at in the table too, exactly. where you want to try and you want to try and stay in one of the competitive
0: spots. for the top four. You know, keep on pace with everything going on, especially with the transfer window coming up. I don't want them to make any rash decisions. But it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to move on. The Giants were held in check. Liverpool, who sit atop the table, were held in check by relegation zone West Bromwich Albion. And a 1-1 draw. So another crazy match here. West Brom manages to stun Liverpool Mm -hmm. with a late equalizer.
1: Sadio Mane scored in the 12th, and really they didn't have much attacking. Yeah, I mean, it was a really
0: lethargic match. It really was. I think everybody thought it was going to end 1-0. I think Liverpool took their foot off the gas, and the only people that didn't think it was going to end 1-0 was West Brom. And they earned themselves the point, a crucial point for them, and a crucial drop of points at the top of the table But then, you know, you don't see the other teams take advantage. Leicester and United finishing in a draw. Chelsea dropping the points to Arsenal. It's a shame that those other teams couldn't take advantage of Liverpool's stumble. But I will wrap up my Match Day 15, at least in the Premier League coverage here, with another result. You know, we talked about the Wolves, you know, the the mid-table monsters, as you put them. Here they go, salvaging points against a, a big six club. They pull out the 1-1 draw against Tottenham. Uh, you know, there's a Wolves team. It feels like they drop points against the, the little teams, you know, but then they show up to play against the big teams. And I think they're going to be a handful for this United team tomorrow. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Another thing worth noting. I said only two matches were played so far today in match day 16 in the Premier League, and that is because the third scheduled match of today, Manchester City versus Everton, was postponed due to COVID outbreak amongst City players and staff. So something to keep an eye on. They just had a big game this past week. They, you know, they were already scheduled to play again uh, so soon after, we might not even be seeing the full effects of the possible exposures amongst their own team or possibly even other teams with how recently those other matches were played. Definitely, definitely, definitely worth keeping an eye on. And what are the implications on this with a team that's got still a pretty busy docket of games remaining?
1: Yeah, and, and not in a position of strength. We're sitting at, I believe, eighth in the table at the moment.
0: Yeah, So, so really... Premier League, as always, providing us with just grade-A, top-quality entertainment.
1: Yeah, very competitive from top to bottom.
0: But we're going to move over and summarize the other leagues that were rounding out their years. I guess not entire years. We actually have some La Liga tomorrow also, but I digress. 2020. Yeah, rounding out their 2020 as well, wrapping up and still playing. La Liga had match day 15, a couple of the highlights, the big teams here that we are still keeping an eye on, Battle of the Two Giants, the two top of the table teams, Real Sociedad facing off against Atletico Madrid, that match ends in a 2-0 victory for Atletico, it just seems like, I don't want to say Sociedad's in a tailspin, because honestly they've been playing really good teams, but they're not getting the results. And, no. You know, if they want to, if they want to roll up their sleeves and sit at the big kids' table, then you gotta eat like the big kids. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta put these results together yeah. when the time comes and dropping points to Atletico, dropping points in the Champions League, dropping po- or It wasn't the Champions, the Europa League, rather. Uh, you know, the, there's just a lack of results in it. It seems like a lack of tenacity. Out of a team that's trying to assert itself and say, "Hey, this is more than just a two or a three team league," you know, teams like Sociedad, teams like Sevilla, teams like Valadolid, uh, you know, Valladolid, teams like Granada. You know, Granada. They want to be taken. Betis. They want to be taken seriously, and they need to start putting up the results domestically against not just beating down on the bottom of the table relegation teams that get cycled out every single season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's. I don't know. I don't mean to go off on that big of a rant. Atletico's a good team. I totally saw them losing. But at the same token, where they were at the beginning of the season to where they are now. Exactly. And you see them falling behind Real. I actually think they did fall behind Real after this result, which we'll get to in a second. You even see Barcelona. Starting to get their footing and you know recover from the beating that they took to start this season. Yeah. And you know we're sitting in eighth place coming into this. We'll mention this in a moment. They had. Well, I'll mention it now. They just had a three-nil victory over against uh, uh, Real Valladolid. Yeah. So there's not really uh like there's not really room for that error. No, you don't have a cushion when this- the rest of the league is as weak as it is. Mm -hmm. And you're still probably going to drop the occasional points there, the way that we've seen Barcelona losing and drawing as many matches as they have, and Real losing and drawing as many matches as they have. So, I digress. Uh, You know, I already mentioned the other big boys in the La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid got themselves a solid 2-0 victory over Granada, another top-five club there, fighting for Europe. You know, I think any of the teams that are not Madrid or Barcelona-based come into matches against that top three, hoping for a point. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that was Granada's mindset. They couldn't get it done, but I do expect to see them finish, you know, at at least really be fighting for that top four. But it's really going to be a matter of how far Sociedad falls, but right now I have no reason to believe that Sociedad's going to stave off Granada for a, year, a European spot with as much of the season as we have left to play.
1: Well, yeah, not with the current form that both sides have
0: been in. So, we'll see how that goes, though. Elsewhere, Serie A had their 14th match day, and uh, this was their last match of the year. While well, S- Serie A plays some tomorrow and Thursday, sorry, tomorrow and Wednesday, the Italians, no, 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 they're done. They're yeah. done for the holidays. They're done. They're taking their break.
1: Right. But- you tell me. You tell me. Italians like to go to lunch, take some oh, time off.
0: Hey, whoa, 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 hey, hey, whoa. whoa, get some golf. We saw a couple of shocking results here, though. Definitely, some teams ending the holiday and ending the year on a good note, and others eh, not, not so much. much. We're going to talk with the defending, uh, talk about the defending champions, not just one-time defending champions, the defending champions many times over. Yes, Juventus coming into this match, they're in fourth place. They Dropped this match 3-0 to to Fiorentina, really never even seeming to show up. I mean, they were dominated.
1: Well, they also had the early red card in this game, correct? This is true,
0: but, I mean... I mean,
1: you're still... it's Juventus.
0: How you're going to deal... how you could even fathom getting a red card like that when you're playing against a team that's, again, Fiorentina, obviously a great, great history, great club there, a lot of talent, underperforming this year, to be honest comes in at 16th place, this should be an easy victory. And the lack of discipline, lack of coaching, whatever you want to call it, they were not prepared, and it, it showed. And then even then, they're the type of team that with 10 men should be able to outclass. Or at least get a point out of it. Exactly. I mean, we, we saw. I, I've watched several matches this weekend where, you know, teams with less players were still getting... The better side.
1: Yeah. And it, and it really just wasn't the case. I mean, they didn't have much attacking going forward.
0: I mean, we I saw, you know, the Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace game. Mm-hmm. Aston Villa had a red card in the first half. Granted, they had a 1-0 lead at that point, but got a red card in the first half. Still go on to score two goals after the red card and dominate in shots. I mean, absolutely dominate. I mean, they were out-possessed, but there was a total lack of scoring opportunities for Crystal Palace, despite the man advantage. So, I, I mean, yes, the red card is an obvious excuse, but a team like Juventus should be able to still, with the talent they have and the amount of possession that they normally have, I mean, we've even seen it with a team like Arsenal having gotten red carded like two months straight. Mm-hmm. They... Many games would still finish with higher possessions despite the disadvantage. right? So a team like Juventus, I expect better, even with a man down, 3 nils, an unacceptable result. And I really wonder if they're questioning that Pierlo hire, and if so, how much of a leash he's going to be given. I mean, obviously he's a club legend, he's a country legend, but you wonder if a, and a brilliant footballer. Yeah, but you wonder if he's got it as a manager. And and by the way, this isn't to say he doesn't. He has no managerial experience. I am shocked that he was thrown to the wolves with the expectations that come with that job to do that as your very first you know, it's like I, I've never I was thinking today while we were watching Thursday not Thursday, Monday night football. Oh wow! You know it would be really cool. They're talking about all these coaching trees. I was like, you know, I always wonder. I liked football. I like. I know a lot about football. I wonder if I could be a good football coach. And I was like, went through just a daydream, sitting there thinking about football coaching, and it was just like, imagine if they were like Michael. You know, we're gonna give you a shot, Philadelphia Eagles head coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like what? Okay, yeah. Uh, granted, this is different because he played obviously like twenty mm-hmm. years, but like still, yeah, that's. It's a totally a different animal to yeah. a soccer manager, <laughs> right? I mean,
1: yeah, because you're you're managing players. Because,
0: well, like, at least in football, like, okay, if you were a quarterback for twenty years, you made play, you called plays constantly. You were very much involved in that whole process, so it's very easy to be just approaching it from a different role as a player. You were yes, you were getting coached up by your manager, but you're going on the pitch and playing for ninety to a hundred and twenty minutes with the three or four sentences being able to be capably exchanged then from the time that match starts until like you need to be figuring out all sorts like totally different what than you, than going from one What you
1: do know. what do you mean? You mean <laughs>
0: Isn't, isn't, you
1: know, good enough for football instruction? Yeah. so,
0: you know, it's one of those things I, I just—I wonder if he was thrown to the Wolves too quickly. And, and, you know, not to jump back to the Premier League, but I, I wonder if we're seeing the same thing with Mikel Arteta. I mean, obviously, the big result against Chelsea was huge for them. Mm-hmm. But before that, there were some serious question marks about that team.
1: Right, but he—I mean, he at least comes out as an understudy
0: for, you know— True, he had time as an assistant coach. So where you know but it, it you know still to have your first job as a manager yeah be in the premier league for a big 6 club is yeah no. like it's even, like
1: it's like winning your fantasy football league and then becoming the gm of a franchise
0: yeah like even being frank lampard at the year at, at I, I mean now seeing it, now seeing him at chelsea in his second season with the club I see how valuable the year at Derby was and even how the difference between last year and this year Mm -hmm. but I I don't know if he how successfully would have been if he didn't come in had success at Derby then came in with the transfer ban had success at Chelsea you know I'm curious how that translates for these guys who are stepping into these massive shoes mm-hmm. i mean at juventus the actual managed manager replacement you know sorry didn't do that well he wasn't actually filling shoes of a legend but he's fa- stepping into the massive expectations that come with juventus having won now like nine consecutive domestic titles and, yeah you know the old lady all silverware You know, and then with Arsenal, you have him stepping in for Arsene Wenger, who had a prolific tenure. Mm -hmm. So, crazy. But we will move on to some of the teams that had better things to talk about in the Serie A, back to match day 14. Sorry for the trail off there. Top of the table battle here in Hells Verona at number 9. Taking on Inter Milan. Hellas Verona really been on a great run of form lately. I mean, they were really in relegation zone just, I feel like a month and a half ago, and they've gotten some great results, but they could not get the result here. Inter Milan up at second place, really hungry to try and close that gap, get the two to one victory, finishing off the year right. But their crosstown rivals must have felt it coming, and they rallied to beat Lazio. That match tied up two to two late. Milan sneaks away with the three to two victory. I shouldn't say sneaks. I mean they looked really good in a lot of that game. But you know Latan still not fully fit. A little bit of question marks there, especially against a good side like Lazio. Pressure on with Inter getting the win. And they do enough to hold them off. They will go into the new year atop of the Serie A for the first time in a long time. Elsewhere at the top of the table, we saw a team drop some points as Napoli could not seal the deal against Torino. That game finishes 1-1, Torino getting a very crucial point for them down there, trying to avoid relegation, but Napoli not staying on pace with the two Milan sides up at the top of the table, seeing that gap grow just a little bit. And then lastly, the other Italian side, which has been playing pretty solid, Roma was able to squeak out a 3-2 victory over Caligiri, Roma really playing like a solid team. They're going to be looking to maybe move past Juvenus, possibly even catch up to Napoli.
1: Yeah, and their goal production's been insane this year. Yeah,
0: I mean, your boy HK been playing out of his mind.
1: Absolutely. and Not the only one. They're getting it from everybody.
0: Well, speaking of HK and, you know, thinking of your team Dortmund there, I know the Bundesliga... They called it early. The Germans are very prompt. Oh, yes. They called it early. They are on holiday. But that doesn't mean that there is not news to talk about. What are you hearing out of the Bundesliga?
1: Well, big news coming from the Bender brothers, Sven and Lars Bender, 13-year veterans of the Bundesliga, I mean, long-term defensive midfielders, center backs, left back, right back. Played all over on the defensive side of the ball, are announcing their retirement at the end of the season. It's been, it's been a wonderful career for them, and it'll be exciting to see what the two of them get up to next. But it's always funny when brothers retire together. Reminds me of the Sedine twins of Vancouver Canucks legend. You know, some sometimes you know brothers just they know each other, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I think it's time we both call it."
0: at the end of the season. Well, you know, there is something to be said about two brothers doing it this way. I mean, we do see siblings play a lot of times, but you got to imagine, unless they're twins, you don't really... There wouldn't be that kind of mindset. You know, maybe, yeah, uh, you hear about family members wanting to play together. We see it, people trying to facilitate trades to get to maybe be near a sibling or play with a sibling, but... Unless you're really close in age, a lot of times you're not getting to play with that sibling. I mean, a lot of times siblings aren't necessarily good enough or won't receive the same types of offers for scholarships. A lot of times there's, again, a big enough age difference that you're not in the same. You know, I I was never, I, I guess, well, if my brother and I played the same sport and went to the same high school, we could have maybe played on the same team for a year. If you were really good. You know, if I was good enough to be on Varsity or... You know, like,
1: there's just not... No, it's... it's I mean, it's it's pretty rare for so, non-twins.
0: So, for non-twins, I don't get it. You, or, you know, I, I don't know if there's that desire, but for twins, it would almost be weird. You know, if you are tw- identical, or not necessarily identical, I don't know why being identical was... Uh, with the Sedines it was fun. If you're twins you're used to constantly doing almost everything together, especially parents who sign them up for all sorts of group activities together or sports together. So, you know, maybe you're, especially the chemistry you develop, you might not even be able to play your game at that level. If the other one's not there, there might be a dependence, whether, you know. Mm -hmm. So it makes a little bit more sense, but it's definitely, I think, a little bit surprising. I mean, these two guys were on different clubs for many years you know, they've been on the, last, the same team for the last couple of seasons. That's been fun, I imagine. But they're still relatively young. I mean, like 31 years old, playing pretty well, have relatively secured starting gigs on uh, Empire Leverkusen. Uh, Top-of-the-table side, uh, top yeah. Top-of-the-table, you know, Champions League caliber side. I, I'm a little bit surprised by this, but... You know, I'm sure they'll be getting into something good, something fun. You know, real quick on a side note, and we'll maybe talk about these teams later, but we might see a couple of major all-time greats Not I forget playing with their siblings, playing with their children. Looks like Frank Gore's angling to stick around, play with his son. And LeBron James signed his most recent Lakers contract to try and angle to sign wherever his son gets drafted, potentially. So, just some little interesting tidbits. Oh, yeah. What else is going on in the Prem? Well, uh, a while ago,
1: one of our earlier episodes, we reported about uh, Ezekiel Palacios' really scary uh, spinal injury in a uh, national team match for Argentina. Good news is, he's expected to return to training in January. Uh, It's good news for the 22-year-old defensive midfielder, again, of the Byron Leverkusen side. Uh, You know, a rough injury like
0: that. Okay, I I, I didn't know if it was gonna be allowed or not. Just cut all this i thought about trying to incorporate these sound effects. Like, let me crack some knowledge on ya. Would
1: have been good. But I was thirsty. I got you.
0: You cut none of this. <laughs>
1: So returning, returned from the spinal injury, it's good to see him back. He's an exciting young midfielder for both uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Argentina, and seeing what his production is after a extended layoff, it'll be exciting to see. Coming out of Mines and their camp, they have a new coach in Martin Schmidt. Formerly at FC Augsburg, before parting ways with that club. Mines has kind of a historic coaching tree, similar to, you know, the ones we talk about in the NFL with both Jurgen Klopp and Tuchel getting their starts out of the Mines club. And this club's really, I mean, it's really trying to hold on to their spot and avoid relegation in the Bundesliga. So it'll be interesting to see what. Martin Schmidt brings to the table and one last bit of Bundesliga news Erling Holland, always the subject of many trade rumors uh, both you know with Italy and Spain having teams coming and making inquiries on the absolute to striker for this German club he kind of quells them a bit, stating that he is seeking glory with this Dortmund side and and hopes to bring them to a return of form post this little winter break.
0: Yeah, I mean, he says that, and by the way, I hope he does. It would be nice to see Dortmund get some success. It would be nice to see Holland really thrive and flourish and mature. From a young superstar and world all-star to a maybe all-time great and continental and, you know, global great. Elevating himself onto that stage that, you know, Zlatan was on a decade ago that Ronaldo and Messi have been on for the last decade. That, you know, th- that, mm-hmm. that true threshold.
1: Yeah, the true consideration for top player in the world.
0: And he's, he's shown he, glimpses of it. He's even shown it over stretches, so it hasn't just been a glimpse. No. He's got to stay healthy. Uh-huh. And I don't know if eventually the dollar signs will pull him away from Dortmund before he can see his achievement or success there materialized in silverware. I, I hope it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I hope he's able to fill up the trophy case. I'd love to see neither Bayern nor Leipzig winning the Bundesliga title. I'd love to see Dortmund as the primary German representation in European football. But the dollar signs might be too big that it might lure him away when Dortmund has shown a tendency to not really step to that uber almost unreasonable level of financial compensation that a lot of Europe's other major clubs are willing to. You know, they're open to op- they're willing to open that checkbook just a little bit further mm-hmm. than a team like Dortmund is. And f- for his sake, I hope he does do it. I I hope he, you know, and, and you were sick. But uh you know, I hope he does stick around and, and yeah. fulfills that promise or that wish or that goal, but I would not be shocked in sometime in the next thirty six months we saw him move on to a top club in Italy, Spain. I was gonna say France, but PSG, uh yeah. England. Yeah. You know, uh, to tell me, to look me straight in the face and tell me that Manchester City wouldn't drop the money bags on him once Aguero is retiring? Yeah. Come on. Like, so, I hope he does it, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah,
1: and I, I mean, for Dortmund, we can't really cry, you know, for getting a a bag of, you know, $90 million or or so. In the, in the transfer fee. But we can take it across the pond to talk about soccer here in the States. We got some MLS news, and we can lead off with Lee Nguyen, the longtime Revolution midfielder out of New England, is moving on. He's going to be playing in Vietnam for
0: Ho Chi Minh City. You know, for a second, I when I first saw this, and granted the first time I saw this was in our notes. You know, I I didn't I didn't see this come through my normal sports news inputs. Mm-hmm. It, you know, on the notes you had it written as he was moving. I thought he was just moving. Yeah, he's just. I going. thought he retired. Like, uh, yeah, he's us uh, moving Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, he's just done with it. Yeah, he's just he's over the United States. He's, no, he's uh, uh So it was a
1: transfer. Ho Chi Minh City is a is a team name. Um, but it is also a city. It's also a city. It's like Manchester City. I know.
0: I'm I'm just I'm just it was a bit <laughs> like like I was just, "Oh. Okay." And, and you're like, "Hey, he's going to be playing." And I was like, "That's why it's on our sports podcast." <laughs> You know, because yeah, no, it's sports. Yeah,
1: no, I wasn't talking about real estate dealings in,
0: in Vietnam. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. And then you just bring up <laughs> Bradley
1: Wright Phillips purchases a, a house $1.8 in, million dollar house. No.
0: But uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, who did kind of have a little bit of a career, re- I don't want to say a career resurrection, considering I don't know if his career really ever went anywhere. I mean, he was always been around. He's, He's a
1: sol- been He's been a solid, solid player.
0: He's a two-time Golden Boot winner in the MLS. But this past year he found himself on LAFC kind of coming in there as a new face. Mm-hmm.
1: Another supporting attacker with Carlos
0: Vela. But with Vela out for most of the season because of COVID protocols and issues... He found himself, like I said, having a little bit of a resurgence. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: becoming the focal point again. Yeah,
0: he, he was never out of the picture entirely, but he definitely came back into the picture with a little bit of a vengeance. And I think we see him now going to come in and take on a much bigger role with this Columbus team, considering he's proven what he's still got left in the tank. I mean, still uh, as good as the MLS is getting. You know, we're seeing talents come up that we haven't ever seen before, and the talents in the MLS are a lot of them now coming up as opposed to all of them winding down.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's still got a heck of a shot on him, and his positioning is really impeccable, uh, especially against a lot of those young and developing defenders, and he's able to make a lot of defenses pay.
1: Yeah. So the crew the crew got a good one and it'll be exciting to see what the uh the returning champs do in the next season with Bradley Wright at the striker position. You know, we have another quote unquote news. I mean, it's there's nothing concrete coming out of the story, but it is always interesting to talk about Messi again expresses an interest in moving to the MLS and living in the United States in an interview with La Sexta a news agency out of Spain. He's quoted as saying, I always had the dream of being able to enjoy and have the experience of living in the United States, experience what the league there is like. It would be interesting to see Messi in the MLS. It would be a huge draw for this MLS as a league as it looks to aggressively keep expanding.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lionel Messi coming to the MLS would be monumental, I mean, it would be mon-you-mental. He'd basically be able to come in and call his shot, really demand whatever he wanted, possibly even get some ownership stakes the way David Beckham was able to kind of finagle. I mean, he's a global, global, global giant in ways that nobody, including Beckham even, have been. Beckham was maybe more in the celebrity sense, but not in the actual... Not as a footballer purely. Exactly. He was also an underwear model. So it'll be incredible to see what happens. I would love to see that someday. Even if we're getting 40-year-old Lionel Messi, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he would still be remarkable. I would pay money to go see him play. Oh, 100%. And I hope we see it someday. Yeah. Lastly, we did see LAFC crash out of the CONCACAF Champions League. Pierre Andre Gignac and Tigris beat LAFC two to one. I believe that was in the second. That was in the like, final. Oh, that was the final. That was in the final. Yeah. So there's still a 20 year drought for MLS clubs in the competition, but who knows? Maybe we'll see that come to an end next year.
1: Yeah, there's there's
0: hope because as this our Philadelphia Union. Yeah. Are going to be playing in it for the first time ever. Yes. So we have a little bit of reason to at least pay a little bit more attention. Yes. To a competition that otherwise
1: no one pays attention like flies to flies
0: under our radar.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 Concacaf Champions League, so it's
0: it's uh,
1: this hemisphere. An
0: MLS team again, twenty year drought. It makes sense That's why we kind of don't give it that much time a day.
1: hmm Yeah, I mean it's mostly it's mostly the Mexican League has been dominant for so long, but we can move on. We've got plenty more sports to talk about. And why don't we jump into some NBA? We can start off with talking about Kawhi Leonard's brutal mouth laceration stemming from a collision with teammate Serge Ibaka's elbow and god that was a grisly injury. I mean, that was a lot of blood coming out of somebody's mouth.
0: Yeah, I mean, Serge Ibaka's a machine.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he
0: is a he, you could build a house on him. He's a whole foundation. You never like to see somebody get hurt, especially when it's an all-star. Maybe it's me, maybe I'm squirmish, but I never like to see mouth injuries. No.
1: I, I Yeah, as the uh, as the victim of one, honestly, it's not that bad. You, I, you could, if you were tough, you could probably play through it, but I digress.
0: If I were tough, I digress. It was crazy, though, to see Clippers without Kawhi Leonard did not look pretty. They were down 50 points at half. At one point, I saw the score being 60-15. to 15. Unbelievable stuff. I mean, that was that was still early in the second quarter. So, yeah, they were down 50 points and a half, ended up getting blown out 124-73, to 73, losing by over 50 points to the Dallas Mavericks. Just unbelievable. But that's not all we have to talk about in the NBA, and it wasn't the only... <laughs> Pretty serious injury that we witnessed,
1: yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie goes down for the Brooklyn Nets with a partial a c l tear. He's going to be out missing a significant portion of time,
0: and then we also saw a John ja Moran injury mm-hmm. which john ja Moran young up and coming talent that he is really i mean, yeah R- rookie of the year last year, correct
1: uh definitely one of the candidates I don't remember I don't remember who won it last year it all got condensed and smushed together
0: but he takes yeah. uh, he was taken off in a wheelchair after a pretty pretty gruesome ankle injury now it did show no it did show no fractures which is solid mm-hmm. you know good obviously initial signs but yeah not the type of injury you want to see for a guy I like, He did win Rookie of the Year last year. He did win it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people felt Zion kind of was the Rookie of the Year, but it was kind of like, you know, remember when Joel Embiid played his first season but only played a few games and everybody's like, yeah, well, Embiid should be Rookie of the Year, and people were like, yeah, but he didn't play enough games. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like, Zion didn't meet the criteria for minimum games played, even though in the games and minutes he played, he was obviously the most impressive rookie. So, right. John Morant, not to take away from him, though, had a really remarkable rookie campaign. Absolutely. Brought that Memphis Grizzlies team to the playoffs. But, yeah, or not really the playoffs. I think it was the play-ins. Yeah, I mean, he, he performed well. But in the you know bowl. what I well, mean. Yeah. So, yeah, don't like to see that for a young all-star We did see something pretty crazy. Steph Curry, who, you know, that whole Golden State situation has been a little bit of a mess. Really, ever since that finals a couple of years ago, when their whole team got injured, they haven't been able to get their footing right. And maybe literally because of the injuries, but their all-star, their rock, their foundation, Steph Curry, still remains just... Lethal, from long point, or long point, from long range, from three point range, and he put on a clinic in practice. Who sh- shooting till he missed, hit a hundred and five straight threes. In practice, just astronomical. Yeah, to have that sort of precision, that sort of muscle memory, that sort of feel, that sort of just calibration. Yeah on on your long-range attack. I don't think... If you gave me a full day, I don't think I'd make
1: 105 threes. Oh, yeah.
0: Ex- yeah, unlimited shots. Don't think it's happening. Lastly, something that hit a little bit close to home here, President of Basketball Ops in Philadelphia, Daryl Morey, the big acquisition of the offseason. Obviously, him and Doc Rivers coming to quote-unquote change the culture and everything here in Philadelphia... Well, Maury fined 50K for a tweet targeting his old all-star, James Harden, celebrated his his breaking of the Rockets' assist record, and that happened a year ago. Maury mm-hmm. claims it was from an automated tweet bot, you know, the type of thing they put in a program to kind of like so they don't have to do a reminders. It happens for birthdays. happens for shout-outs, promotions. Things like that—it's totally not unheard of. His his rationale and reasoning is not un- unreasonable. Yeah, but he gets fined fifty. Gets fined fifty for- k for violating the leak's tampering policies. Yes. which I guess maybe this gets thrown a little bit more under the microscope because of the recent issues and James Harden making a fuss and possibly forcing a trade. But seems a little soft to me. But.
1: Whatever. I get it. And, yeah.
0: I, I'm a fan, honestly, as weird as it sounds. And as I'm a fan of there not being tampering in the NBA, but all of this seems redundant because we know the extraordinary amount of tampering that goes on in the NBA and doesn't get checked. But we will move on because it's almost hockey time. Yeah. We're like 15 days
1: away from the NHL season returning, and we've got plenty of news. Uh, one face that. Won't be returning to this 56-game schedule. Nikita Kucherov going to be out for the regular season following a hip surgery. The Tampa Bay forward was lighting it up last year. Had a very impressive playoff campaign. Going to miss the season after getting this hip surgery done. It's going to be a shame, but Tampa Bay will be all right.
0: Yeah, Tampa will be fine. I mean, they're non- to- they're they're totally familiar with losing major cogs and just continuing to steamroll on. How many of the last few years have they had to finish up without Steven Stamkos or without another one of their all stars, Victor Hedman? Mm-hmm. Another guy who, normally a rock, the last 18, 24 months has been in and out of the lineup with various injuries, and yet that team just doesn't miss a beat. And we look to them to probably be one of the leading contenders and probably cup favorites this season. But we'll move on to another player that's not going to be on the ice. And this one's really rough. This one kind of gets you right in the heart. And that's where our injury lies. Henrik Lundqvist, the king, looked to start a new page of his career, closing the book on a storied, storied All-time great, Mount Rushmore-level great career with the New York Rangers. Excited to get a fresh start with the Washington Capitals. And, well, it gets derailed immediately as Henrik Lundqvist has some irregularities with his heartbeat at first. They find out it's going to lead to an open-heart surgery missing the entire season, putting his career in jeopardy. Apparently this surgery, though, depending on the outcome, this surgery is addressing the thing that's preventing him from playing. So assuming it goes well, based on the verbiage there, in theory he could be back next year, but at this age, with the level of play being what it was at, I would almost see this maybe being something like a Tim Thomas where he takes this year, full year off, claiming he has every intention of coming back, but at this age, uh, with the play getting worse, not better, we could just kind of see him drift into oblivion here, which is a sad way to see an all-time legend go out. Yes, but we we wish him the best. Wish and- him the best and hope that that he does is able to Make the recovery. I would love to see him on the ice again. See him on a farewell tour where we can actually have fans in the stands.
1: Absolutely, get the uh, get the send off he deserves.
0: We did see a change in the rule book, which is rare. I feel like. I mean, maybe not all that rare. I feel like they're constantly striving to improve the sports and games we like, and this is a rule change that I actually feel like will be met with a good amount of positivity, especially now with the use of high-tech, state-of-the-art, frame-for-frame, 8K, blah blah, 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 cameras, it should be good. so.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the offsides rule has been tweaked so that the player doesn't have to be physically dragging their skate across the blue line as long as they are over the zone of the blue line they will be considered on sides. This is coming off the heels of many of many of coaches challenges another new rule that was implemented the past couple of seasons coming off this offsides challenging the offsides of a of a goal or you know leading up to a goal
0: yeah so definitely a change but and i imagine it will impact several would be or wouldn't be goals this year so we'll keep an eye on it i'm sure it'll get noted and harped on and mentioned and Who knows if it'll have any real strategic or even, dare I say, intentional impact. I imagine for the players' sakes, it would behoove them to try and stick with the muscle memory, stick with what they were taught, try and drag that foot wherever possible and make it as clear and obvious to prevent the, you know, they're not adopting a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, soccer-style, VAR here where the referees are going to be taught to swallow their whistles and let the play unwind and see where it ends up. Officials are still going to be taught to blow that whistle for offside when they think a player is offsides. And so I imagine it's not going to make any real change in the mindset of these players or the approach that they have in in, entering the zone, holding up play, making sure a play is onside, etc. But it could clear up some of that gray area when we do see things go to that frame-for-frame frame yeah. replay and trying to yeah. make something out of out of a mystery. Yeah, so. absolutely. It will be interesting to see. We did see a couple of personnel moves, though. A couple of trades. A Philadelphia name that we're familiar with was on the move as the Tampa Bay Lightning moved defenseman Braden Coburn and forward Cedric Paquette as well as a draft pick 2022 draft a second rounder that all went to Ottawa for goaltender Andres Nilsson and forward Marion Gabryk now this was a move that really was done just for the Lightning to be able to address their cap situation and I mean it makes sense I mean, obviously, we'd love to see Gaberick back on the ice, Nilsson, another guy. We never like to see these long-term injuries, but the way it works out this is the Lightning are a team that's really tight up against the, the wall cap-wise, and it's good to see them use this draft pick and some certain players who can still pro- maybe provide a spark or provide some value at the bottom of a rotation and, to be able to get some mutual cap relief and, and you know, it's honestly the type of creativity I wish I saw a little bit more out of the Flyers. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could see it, us with the cap uh, issues that we have offloading players like James Van Riemsdyk or, or other players with fat contracts, maybe maybe Shane Gossespierre or some other defenders who have some unflattering contracts, and being able to move them, package them together with a late-round draft pick to a team that maybe has some form of salary cap relief available. Yeah, yeah. that was, you know, it's, it's the type of thing that keeps the Lightning as top-tier Stanley Cup contenders for the last decade.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We also saw the Arizona, I almost said Cardinals, Coyotes traded veteran center Derek Stefan to Ottawa in exchange for a second-rounder in the closer 2021 NHL draft. Derek Stepan still a little bit left in the tank, the type of guy that, you know, probably be your fourth line, maybe could provide you a little spark in the penalty killer or some special teams, but, you know, I think this is a solid move. They'll probably get a little bit more playtime on that Ottawa team that's got a lot of young players kind of in the middle of a, rebuild, give them a little bit of veteran leadership and, and a little bit more, you know, professional experience.
1: Give them some stability in the, uh, the back end of their lineup. We also see a couple of players sign some new deals. Ryan Miller, one of the most winningest goalies in American history, signs a one-year, $1 million deal to stay with the Ducks to act as backup. And Michael Granlin signs another one-year deal with Nashville. And also, we see Derek Englund retire most recently with the Vegas Golden Knights, has had a storied career, and we wish him all the best in his next phases. But we can move on to some of our oddball topics. And we'll start with Master P and NBA All-Star Baron Davis looking to acquire Reebok. Reebok, obviously, a known sneaker brand facing a couple issues in the very competitive market you know facing off against giants of Nike and Adidas and the other the other names like Puma Under Armour etc it's a very tough competition
0: yeah and you know this is something where it's almost a reversal of roles if you will we're used to seeing these sneaker companies really since the 90s and Michael Jordan and you know the stuff that Sonny Vaccaro did in revolutionizing the way that athletes and brands interact and form these relationships. You know, we're used to seeing the apparel companies courting the athletes and entertainers to be brand representatives. We're not really used to seeing the athletes and entertainers looking into acquiring the brand. I mean, obviously, Yeezy maybe being an exception where, you know, Kanye launched that, but even then he launched that in conjunction with Adidas and Adidas does get a piece of every Yeezy's ever sold. Right. So, you know, we don't ever really see these entertainers coming out and making the plays to acquire the source here and and the infrastructure that's in place with a Reebok, but this is a company that has been struggling. I mean, I feel like a decade ago, Reebok were the NFL, the NBA, the NHL jerseys. They were the official apparel people. They were getting everything. I had Reebok everything except sneakers. You know what I mean? I had
1: the, I had the AI3s, man. I was rocking the Reeboks.
0: Exactly. I mean, they, they did have some notable sneakers, too. And yet here they are years later. I can't think of a single major athlete that they have in their repertoire. I They lost their NHL sponsorship. They lost their NFL sponsorship, or not sponsorship, you know. Yeah, brand apparel, deal. Apparel agreements. It's just, so, you know, maybe this is a great opportunity. Maybe somebody like Master P and Davis can come in and, and turn the ship around, but I'm also skeptical, you know, If it were that great of a business opportunity, I feel like you would see all sorts of wealthy individuals jumping at the opportunity. But they don't necessarily have the influence, uh, cultural influence, that maybe these individuals have. And so it could be an interesting thing to keep an eye on.
1: And also, no shade of calling Master P an entertainer, but that man could also ball because he had contracts with both the Charlotte Hornets and the Toronto Raptors in the late, late 90s.
0: This is true.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we know him from his rap career, but Duke can can also bowl.
0: Moving on, this one's not as much necessarily about the sports themselves, but about another Giant in the media coverage of these sports, you know, another giant in addition to the balls over the top, yeah, the
1: empire you know, like,
0: well, that we're building, yeah, here. but like, also, like, probably also top three, uh, Barstool Sports, yeah, them and maybe, maybe ESPN, yeah, that's what know. I'm saying, that kind of rounds up top three, yeah. So, Barstool Sports raised six million dollars, which you know, to maybe a lot of the big corporate, ju- corporate juggernauts isn't a lot, but. Barstool Sports is a little bit more of a homegrown project. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a little bit of a lightning rod. They do, obviously, can. can. Yeah, I mean, Dave Portnoy is an asshole. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, but. He's also doing good. So he's like, doing something good here, so we'll give him that high five and pat on the back. You know, we'll give him the credit where literally the credit is due yeah
1: raising 6.6 6 million for uh, small businesses. yeah
0: so feel how you want about Barstool. I think we can all agree that that six mil raised and small businesses is a noble cause. Obviously the pandemic hitting a lot of people harder than others but a lot of small businesses do not have the resources or reserves to be sustaining themselves through this hard time. Elsewhere, we saw Russia have its Olympic ban dropped from four years to two. They are still barred from the 2021 and 2024 Olympics and the 2022 World Cup, but we do see that ban reduced after their appeal to the, I believe it was like the Global Panel of World Sport or something. Mm-hmm. but
1: Some dumb Switzerland some corporation. Switzerland
0: corp, yeah, that, that I'm sure collected a fancy little check from this appeal process.
1: Absolutely.
0: And global video game revenue goes to $180 billion, surpassing sports and movies combined. For this year. Yeah, obviously 2020, a different year than many. Sports and movies... Both taking major hits, movies obviously at the box office with there not being a box office, and at sports, at sports, sports had to be played either behind closed doors or with, in the cases where there were fans, very limited capacities, and many sports had a six-plus-month run of maybe not even happening, so... I think at some point seeing this 180 billion number or, you know, maybe not uh, even the numbers I shouldn't have s- expected. I don't, I don't really, these numbers could be gobbledygook who who knows with inflation and whatever, yeah. but you know, I think eventually seeing video games on a track where they could maybe have the market share of those other two major entertainment areas combined is not unreasonable. I think that this was very much uh sped up, or we saw it much sooner mm-hmm. because of the impacts of the pandemic, and we could probably expect it to bounce back to a more typical balance, ratio, balance, yeah, when things return to normal. But, you know, for all those years that we were told that video games would melt our brains, well, you know what? We better hope that this whole world's brain doesn't just turn to soup because it seems like everybody's going that way. It seems like everybody's turned to soup. Speaking of soup, Major League Baseball. What, pitchers and catchers maybe in a few weeks? I feel like it about that time. It's January. It's going to be pitchers. I mean, it's not January yet, but you know yeah. what I mean. Next week, it'll be January. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers normally do that, right? They throw stuff. They do. That'll be happening soon, so that'll be exciting. Elsewhere, though, less exciting, Phil Niekro passed away at age 81. All-time great. Legend in the sport.
1: Probably one of the best knuckleballers we'll ever see.
0: Yeah, I mean, the knuckleball is something that you don't really see that much anymore at all. No. And he could do it. maybe the best ever. I mean, definitely in the conversation. I mean,
1: like, he would throw a pitch like two feet above your head and it would still just cross the plate right in the strike zone. It was...
0: Yeah, it was unbelievable. Look up the videos if you've never seen them. You can still find stuff online. Just unreal. Just disgusting pitches. Yeah,
1: the motion he could get on a ball is something unbelievable.
0: And granted, the ball was slightly something different back then. Yeah, slower, You know, they, they could put different things on their hands, maybe get away with slightly more illegal substances, both in and outside of the body, yeah. but that doesn't take away from what he was doing, and it's not as though he had any form of unlevel playing field to the other people at the time, and yet what he did was still disgusting, Disgusting. It was crazy. and so far, nobody's been able to, able to replicate it. We did see a major, major, major player on the move, Blake Snell, who was integral in the Tampa Bay Rays run to the World Series this past year, dominant in both the regular season and the postseason, is on the move to the Padres. Padres making a lot of moves. It looks like they might also be going after Cy Young finalist, right? I don't think he won it. Finalist Hugh Darvish, who was also dominant last year. And it could suddenly be a really crazy competition out west there between the Dodgers and the Padres over who will come away with that division and, more likely than not, the National League pennant.
1: And the Padres also make moves, signing KBO star third baseman and shortstop Haseong
0: Kim, who had a really incredible season this yeah. past year in the KBO 30 home runs. He batted 307. I mean, anytime you're batting above 300 is crazy. The fact that he also smacked 30 long balls is insane, considering he's an infielder. Phenomenal player this past year. We hope it translates. Obviously, there's always the question marks when a player's moving from a obviously still competitive but less competitive league in Asia over to the big leagues, over, you know, right up to the pros with the big boys. But if he can even replicate 60% of what he did last year... That would be a huge win and and a huge tool and and a big piece for any team in the majors, especially one that looks to be as competitive as the Padres. He is also only 25. Exactly. So he's got time. Phillies did promote Sam Fold to GM, a move that actually, I think, was was pretty well received, but not super surprising. I think a lot of people maybe wanted them to make a big splash, and yet... They kind of went with the safer route. They, yep. they promoted the guy with within from within. Obviously, we talked about last week, they were, they hired Dabrowski. You know, they're kind of playing it by the book. Very Phillies of them. Yeah. Not really going out on a limb. And that's kind of, I guess, what we come to expect, middle of the pack. Yep. In a major move, though, we see the Pirates trade... First baseman Josh Bell to the Washington Nationals. Yes Bell a major slugger, a 35 40 plus home run type guy, a major piece of a lineup, a hitter to be feared. really the best thing the Pirates had going for them on the offensive side of the of the ball. going to the Nationals where he will feature as just a piece of a disgusting, lineup, really underlined and keyed with Juan Soto, but that's full of hitters. I mean, obviously, this is a Nationals team that just won the World Series a couple of years ago, and that Josh Bell, I mean, it it, it fills a big hole. Yeah, fills a
1: gap, especially with uh, losing Hallie Kendrick, you know, I mean, if, uh, but as far as, like, a one-to-one replacement goes, this is... This is far better than most teams could ever hope to expect. Well,
0: and, and you know, I think they were still kind of feeling, and this is where their struggles came this year. I mean, obviously, shortened season, they fell behind early. It was hard to. You they had know.
1: injuries in their in their pitching. They, yeah, they had a they had a rough start to a short season, which doesn't bode
0: well. But I think they were still really reeling from the massive hole in their lineup that was held by Anthony Rendon. And so this allows them to put another big power, also solid contact. That you know, Josh Bell's not just a long ball guy. Hits a lot of doubles, makes a lot of good contact with the ball, moves runners along. Even if it's a you know, even if he's getting out on the play, he's not not a huge strikeout guy. I mean, obviously today's MLB, everybody's a big strikeout guy compared to twenty years ago. But but yeah, you know comparatively, he's not a big strikeout guy when you look at the power numbers and the contact numbers that he puts up. A huge piece, you know, it just makes me sit here and scratch my head about this Phillies team when you see a guy like Josh Bell is available and we're still settling for a guy like Reese Hoskins. It's really puzzling, and you know what? I hope this Sam Fold pick at GM yields some good picks or good development Or something. No more Mickey Moniacs. Yeah, please. But we are going to move on to the National Football League. Coming out of Week 16, going into Week 17. And we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. But it is highlighted by today, fresh off the presses, Washington football team... Releases, starting quasi starting quarterback. Yeah, third Dwayne string Askins. slash starting. Yeah, I mean, guys, a first round pick last year was really picked to carry the torch of the franchise, but it never seemed like the right fit. And you know, I you never like the idea of using a first round pick on a quarterback, and then at the end of that year firing your head coach because the new head coach is going to want. His guy, mm-hmm. and we're gonna see this with Ron Rivera. He they might not even get him this year, they might run with another year of Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, yeah, or or take a, a, a shot at one of these free agent guys, whether it be a Matt Ryan on the move, Joe Flacco on the move, Sam Darnold on the move. You know what I mean? There, mm-hmm. There's a there's a laundry list of players that could. Even if it's Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. I I mean, there's plenty of aging quarterbacks. Andy Dalton. There's plenty of aging quarterbacks who would love that job, especially if Washington, take, maybe they take a flyer, a second rounder, uh, you know, whatever. If they win the division, maybe they are picking their quarterback at 21st, whatever, uh, with their playoff loss. You know, but they always want to pick their guy. And so it was almost a – you could tell the writing was on the wall. Dwayne Haskins was never going to be the answer with Mm -hmm. Ron Rivera as that head coach. Well, and then he exacerbated it. And then he exacerbated it with poor play, with questionable lifestyle choices and and outside of football-related choices. He was not demonstrating leadership qualities. He was hemorrhaging the ball in turnovers, which – You know, obviously, so was Carson once, but certain players earn or get a longer leash than others. And when you're already on poor footing and not even winning the quarterback job outright, but getting it on kind of a eh, shaky status, turning the ball over is going to lose you the job right away.
1: Yeah, and but I mean, then also being stripped of the captaincy. I mean, this was a this was a fast falling apart.
0: Yeah. And not to mention, turnovers, I don't want to say are acceptable. I mean, if I were a football coach, and I imagine you two, I mean, turnovers are never acceptable. That no. would almost be my biggest pet peeve. Penalties but then yeah, turnovers. Penalties yeah, penalties and turnovers. But even a guy like Jameis Winston, it's one thing if you're turning the ball over while your offense is successful and still operating and you are taking, you know, the Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you took the shot yeah. and it got picked off. It's another thing when you're missing open throws, when you're not sensing pressure, when you're not reading defenses. You know what I mean? He was making all of the mistakes. He was not demonstrating any glimpses of what made him a first-round, a first-round pick. pick. Yeah, and, out of and, Ohio State, out of a good program. And and then he was also, you know, kind of, I almost, I almost want to call it Jalen Mills' complex. Get burned for franchise record-breaking levels of receiving yards and then make one good play and flex your muscles and dance around the field. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Dwayne Haskins, terrible as a starter, terrible, terrible, comes in one game and plays well against the Cincinnati Bengals and is dancing all over the place and shooting finger guns at everybody. And it's like, dude, you're garbage. You're garbage. What are you doing? Yeah, you you don't you you don't get the pointy gun at anybody. No, you know what I mean. Like no. it drives me nuts. Yeah, it drives me nuts as a fan when you see these guys, or a team's down thirty-five to seven, and the and the defender pulls down the running back on on second and six for a one-yard loss, so it's third and seven, yeah. and he dances around like. He just got engaged, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, dude, what do you what do you do? Yeah, you're like down thirty five to seven.
1: Yeah, like he just won five hundred off a of scratch off.
0: Yeah, no, like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I I know it was high school, but I played on a football team. When you're looked down forty five to seven, you feel like you've just got repeatedly punched in the gut. Yes. It doesn't matter if your buddy broke a tackle on on a third and ten broke the tackle seven yards in, and then still got up to the 11-yard line. He shouldn't be doing a dance and flipping the ball down and dancing around it because he got a first down. Nah. Uh, you're, you're getting whooped. Yeah. And, and so he just seems like that kind of guy. Like It, it just seems like Dwayne Haskins is like, dude, you haven't had this job. You, you haven't earned this job. The only reason you got this job back is because you, you lost your job to Kyle Allen Then Kyle Allen gets hurt. Then you lose it to Alex Smith. Then Alex Smith gets hurt. Okay, now I guess we have to put you on the field. You make a throw to a guy who's uncovered. He scores a touchdown, and now you're going to dance? Yeah. No,
1: it's silly. It's ridiculous. But nonetheless, I'm still thinking that we might hear more from this story. I mean, it's so rare to see somebody get cut on a rookie deal.
0: Especially when you know they're going to need the backup quarterback option. I mean, unless they're really happy with Alex Smith. And and honestly, Kyle Allen. I think Ron Rivera and Kyle Allen got, got a bond of some sort. You know, Kyle Allen follows Rivera from Carolina. Uh, he actually, I don't want to say was playing well. That The whole team wasn't playing well for months. But... Kyle Allen He didn't couple, look like the problem. He didn't look like the problem, and then he got hurt. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he actually looked like, I don't want to say the solution, but he was almost the spark that ignited the what could be division-winning run out of this Washington football team. So, I, I don't know if they're going to roll with those two going into next year now. Uh, you know, I actually think they're getting to a point with Alex Smith where they can actually get out of his contract. I think they couldn't slash didn't because he was unable to pass a physical and wasn't cleared and there was dead money issues but now I think they're cap wise in the clear and his health wise in the clear so it'll be interesting to see if he's around next year but also the the veteran leadership the locker room presence the humility that he has I I would bring him back if I could. If it's mm-hmm. not if it's not breaking the checkbook, I mean, yeah, he was there as a starter, so he might be on a fad deal. But if he's if it's reasonable or if yeah. he can get it down to something reasonable, mm-hmm. I bring back Alex Smith. But we're gonna move elsewhere. We did see a move by the Seahawks as they released Damian Snacks Harrison. Obviously, one of the more fun names in the NFL. Always love our snacks here at Balls Over the Top. But it really just never seemed like a great fit. I mean, it seemed like he, at least this year, wasn't really finding his way. I mean, this has been a Seahawks defense that has been pretty bad against the run. They've been kind of inconsistent most of the year and he just never really found his way. You're curious with the timing of it if this is the type of thing where maybe he looks to try and latch on with a team before the playoffs or if this was a more uh, performance slash off-field based issue where where we may never even see him take another snap, so
1: yeah, it'll like it'll be something he has to visit with his family obviously he wasn't making the field quite as much anymore as as an older defensive tackle he' was seeing less snaps it's you know it's a question of these guys are already you know committing to a bubble and having to deal with the implications of their families so you know relocating at this point and End of week sixteen, beginning of week seventeen of a, of the football season doesn't seem like a move is going on, but you know it was an amicable parting. He he thanked the Seahawks organization for his time there, and I I hope the best for him. And you never know, we might we might see him again on an NFL roster. Might not be the end of snacks. It is, however, the end of the Jets. Hoping for a first overall pick after beating the Browns this weekend. Jacksonville has secured that first overall pick in the upcoming draft. Obviously, this was a big storyline in the Trevor, the hunt for Trevor Lawrence, the hunt for an orange April.
0: Yeah, I mean. I feel like the Jets really blew it because I think Trevor Lawrence would have actually been a really solid fit and been able to alter the franchise for New York in a way that very few have the opportunity to do.
1: Well, I think you can also get the coach you want if you bring in a talent like Trevor Lawrence.
0: I think that Trevor Lawrence has big market, big money and playoffs written all over them in a division that no offense to the Bills seems relatively up for grabs. I know the Bills were good this year. By the way, it's up for grabs maybe in a in a way that could mean that you're either signing up for 10 more years of being the the dumpster, the one that gets beat on and trashed every year or you step up to the challenge and we have a division like the NFC East or the NFC West which you know, we'll have their years where the best team is seven and nine, but we'll also have their years where the worst team is eight and eight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people talking about how historically bad the NFC East is this year. It's like, uh, yeah, but we saw the Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch in Beast Mode in the playoffs winning an NFC West division that just two or three years later everybody harps on as, oh, the best division of football. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's... And we see that with this NFC East team, For all of the 2000s, this NFC—I yeah, I mean, NFC East team—all of the 2000s, this NFC East division has been highly competitive. Yeah, I mean, it, we haven't we had back-to-back back winners yeah, yeah. since McNabb and, and Andy Reid did it through, like, from what 04 to 06 or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, or might have been 01 to 04. You, you don't see, so, so they're at a crossroads, and I think that even if it meant taking the lumps and losing out. I don't want to say intentionally. I don't think these players ever lose on purpose. I don't. I get no. why they won, but the Jets, I think, are going to be kicking themselves, and then I also don't have the same high praise or, I guess, optimism for Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. I, I don't think Jacksonville is an NFL market. Maybe this is a bigger conversation. Maybe this is for another day. Mm-hmm. But Jacksonville, to me, just doesn't seem to have the oomph, the draw, the star power. Maybe it's that they're systematically poorly run. Maybe, you know, I have more respect for a team like Cleveland or a team like, you know, the Dolphins or or a team like the Raiders where I've never seen, maybe other than this year, you know, in the last 20 years I haven't seen any of those teams really ever hit any level of legitimate success at all. Mm -hmm. But I maybe cuz they have some form of history i give them a pass i don't know the, this jaguars team it just seems like it's fundamentally broken and they're not in a place that to me warrants the chance <laughs> like, like the mm-hmm. waiting the waiting for them to get their their shit together mm-hmm. like i i feel like you could move that team up to toronto and it immediately becomes a destination and a hot city and a competitor I feel like you could move that team to I don't know. I feel like there are other places even in the south that that football is massive but they don't have pro teams anywhere near there, you know, even somewhere in Alabama or somewhere like 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 that's almost how bad like if you moved a place to Alabama and you had then a natural affinity for a lot of these local Alabama kids that go to Alabama and pay for Saban and then you know Mm -hmm. like if if suddenly there was a an Alabama central location for, for their, like, an NFL hub. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and by the way, I'm not I'm piping up Alabama here. I I, I don't like Alabama. I'm not to say I don't like it, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you have no affinity towards it. Uh,
0: but I, I think that Jacksonville is just such a bummer. I don't know what they have to offer.
1: Well, and I think a, a large part of the the animosity against Jacksonville is watching them get, you know, top-level players and then seeing them ship them out almost uh, Immediately. Regularly.
0: And, yeah. And, and they never a lot of them they don't develop. And the ones that are almost too good to the point where they don't even need to rely on Jacksonville to develop, where they're just already that good. The Jalen Ramsey, the, the Rams, yeah, Even Leonard Fournette for a bit. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette could have gone to literally thirty two football teams. What, okay, what, maybe other than wherever what I was gonna say wherever Zeke Elliott was, but he's the same place. What other than maybe the Cowboys? Maybe. You could put Leonard Fournette on any team in the NFL, and they would have been better for it and probably utilized him better than Jacksonville did and probably not have had to deal with the off-the-field issues because I would argue, maybe not, maybe he's a bad egg, but he hasn't had any off-the-field issues since going to Tampa. Mm-hmm. I would argue that a lot of those off the And it's still in Florida. It's still in Florida. Uh-huh. I argue a lot of those off-the-field issues were him protesting or acting out because of his disdain for that organization, for that town, for the way that it's run. And, you know, for a second, they brought in Tom Coughlin to fix everything. And from everything I'm hearing, Tom Coughlin made everything worse. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I I, I don't have faith that Trevor Lawrence can fix that. I don't have faith that you could put any good quarterback down there. Like, yeah, if they put Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes down there, I think that we'd be – not necessarily talking about either of them as a bust because, honestly, neither one of them was talked about as a shoe-in coming out, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, how many top-tier players and quarterbacks have we had to watch them take and they do nothing? Blake mm-hmm. Bortles was a top pick. Blaine Gabbard was a top pick. Byron Leftwich was a top pick. Like,
1: Yeah, s- systematically <clears throat> selecting high quarterbacks and, and doing nothing with them.
0: Yeah. So, I have no faith that they're going to be able to get it right with this Trevor Lawrence thing, even though they win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. It almost seems like Trevor Lawrence is the biggest loser here, mm-hmm. because he's going to be doomed to go to a Jacksonville team. Where may, hey, Who knows? Maybe I'll eat my words. You know, yeah. Jacksonville was in the AFC Championship game just, what, three years ago with Blake Bortles, two years ago with Blake yeah. like. It's not totally out of the realm. They've been competitive in the past, but I think long-term, big-picture, Jacksonville's not a the sustainable market, yeah. NFL marketplace. We did see a major injury come this week, and I say major not in severity, not necessarily in ex- like the extremity of the injury, but... Maybe the circumstance, maybe the impact, Mm -hmm. influence. Jared Goff, the starting quarterback for the L.A. Rams, broke his thumb.
1: Mm -hmm. Had to undergo surgery.
0: Had to undergo surgery today. Will be out for the final week against the Cardinals and is questionable for any potential playoff games following He wasn't the only injury. Cam Akers, running back, also got hurt in that game. But obviously, I mean, with a running back by committee, that's manageable. Mm -hmm. Your starting quarterback changes your whole game plan. And so this will be a huge concern for Sean McVay, especially as the Rams are coming into a must-win situation in their Week 17 matchup against the Cardinals. So something to keep an eye on. Jared Goff possibly missing the playoffs, but or the Rams possibly missing the playoffs as a result, or mm-hmm. who knows, maybe they'll pull it out and i will be back. I mean, a lot of different things could happen here. Don't know if it requires that much analysis, but more so news and something worth keeping an yeah, eye on. Yeah, something interesting to see. But we had to talk about it.
1: We're, yeah, it's unavoidable.
0: Philadelphia Eagles... There's no other way of putting it. They shit the bed. Yep. They laid an egg against the Cowboys. They jumped out to an early impressive 14-3 to lead after an impressive run-heavy drive where Jalen Hurts was only asked to throw the ball twice. They ran it like crazy, scored a touchdown. Then after that first play of their second drive hit Deshaun Jackson for an, what, ballpark, like 80-yard touchdown? Yeah,
1: something something like that.
0: I mean, really great play, and then the wheels came off of the wagon, and suddenly the offense was stagnant and the defense was porous, and we had no answers. Andy Dalton looking like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, everything he threw was complete. I get our secondary was depleted. I know that these Cowboys receivers tend to have a field day. Amari Cooper against the Eagles, he feasts every time Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you know with the addition of cd lamb obviously michael gallup another weapon they had the ability to tear apart this secondary but i think we expected to get a little bit more pass rush but there was good reason yeah our defensive line was banged up
1: yes we were without derek barnett to start the game uh, he was ruled out, and then after that 14-3 to 3 lead, we lose Fletcher Cox to a stinger.
0: Who is, I don't think there's any debating this, the best player on the team. By I Yeah, mean, by a lot. Maybe, maybe Jason Kelsey, just sheerly based on the number of all pro nods, pro bowl nods. I mean, Jason Kelsey is quietly putting together what may be a strong Hall of Fame resume.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially from a center position.
0: Exactly, where the defensive tackle position is one where there's always a lot more turnover. I mean, obviously, Fletcher often gets held out by Aaron Donald and the sheer dominance that he has and almost lockdown of the positional rankings. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, Fletcher Cox, the biggest disruptor for sure on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. The hardest guy to game plan against. Yeah, and constantly
1: drawing the double team, constantly collapsing pockets, constantly blowing up run plays and closing the gaps. I mean, Fletcher Cox is an absolute monster, and then you you saw it immediately that when t- one, as soon as he left the game, the Cowboys' offense was alive, and i Andy Dalton's a pocket passer. You you collapse a pocket, you tend to have success against him. I mean, it's not that like it's not rocket science. It's you know a long-held tradition in football of breaking up the pocket, especially on the guys who don't move well and you tend to have success. And you don't have success if you don't get the rush off. And the rush wasn't there. The coverage was already going to be susceptible with the injuries of the secondary. And it turned into a real, real rough game.
0: Well, and, and really, though, I mean, my biggest issue with this whole game is with the playoffs on the line, it felt like the play calling had no urgency, you know. And, and no real forethought, you know. I, I don't understand Doug's need to go for it on fourth downs. I, I get he kind of developed this reputation as this kind of wild card, Douglas shoot thug. from the hip, you know, raunchy, we're going to go for it on fourth downs. We're going to hit you with the random two-point conversions. We're going to, you know, well, fourth and three is just as good as a punt. You know, what? like, like yeah. But I see this team time and time again pass up points when the offense is struggling. I, I It would be one thing if we were rolling – and on consistent, long drives, demonstrating an ability to execute simple plays regularly. But we weren't. No. This is an offense that and we haven't been for a long no, time now. No, and, and it's an offense that frequently has to rely has had to rely on big plays, which by the way, I'm glad the big plays came back. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Always good to have them. I mean for a long time that's been the issue. All we did was the underneath dink and dunk stuff. But we were relying on big plays so long that You know, I didn't have confidence in a fourth and five. I don't have confidence in a fourth and seven. I don't have confidence in a fourth and three. And so take the points when you can get them. And I know our field goal kicker was bad, but this was a prime example. Eagles had the ball fourth down and long. I mean, for starters, Darius Slade gets us an interception. We have the ball in Dallas territory. I believe it's a two-possession game at that point, Mm -hmm. down by 13 points. I was advocating we kick the field goal. Now, we committed a number of penalties after that. A couple of false starts in a row, I believe, knocked us back.
1: Matt Pryor had a rough time. They just wanted to say 69, though.
0: But it was like 4th and 28 at one point. Sorry, 3rd and 28. We had a 13-yard, outside of field goal range, but we had a 13-yard pass to Zach Ertz. Gets us to a 4th and 15. At that point, it would have been long, but it's it's still in field goal range.
1: Yeah, it's not like Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott does better with long.
0: 13-point game, I believe ballpark like 10 minutes left in the fourth. Maybe eight. Maybe a little less. Mm -hmm. I was yelling we should kick the field goal. I had no faith in us hitting a fourth and 15. Field goal makes it a 10-point game. No, we go for it. We miss. They get the ball back. Our defense stops them. Guess what? Four minutes left. We have the ball deep in Cowboys territory. We get held to a fourth down again. What am I saying? Well, guess what? We kicked the field goal last time. And we had the option to kick the field goal this time. We're making it a three point game, or sorry, we're making it a seven point game after that field goal, a one possession game. Instead, we're still down 13 at that point. Mm-hmm. We're still, you know what I mean? It, we're needing to then rely on the touchdown to make it a one point game or a one possession game instead. It just seems like. I, I mean, maybe I'm going off on a little soapbox here, or, you know, getting on a soapbox, going off on a little tangent, but like. This is a prime example. Doug is constantly out of touch. You know, that first possession, we marched down the field on them. Jalen Hurts threw no incompletions. Because we ran the ball most of the time, he only had to throw it twice. Why is it that later on, you look and it's like Jalen Hurts is like 17 for 28, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Started out like 4 for 4, 5 for Mm 5. So since then, he went... 12 for 23. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, And yet, Miles Sanders has only had seven touches since that first drive. Like, what? What? Like, Yeah, what it's I like,
1: mean? oh, you literally, you know, you abandoned everything that was working for you on the first drive?
0: And so, and I get they're stacking the pot, but it's like that opens up the play action. You have the dual tight ends. Line up in a heavy set. Run it a few times. And then you can hit Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz you know what I yeah. mean? it's it's they're going
1: to they're going to have to cheat. Their linebackers have sucked all year.
0: Yeah, and, and it amazes me that Doug Peterson couldn't get this done, and so that shocked me. It shocked me. It, it just I was disappointed in this team all around, but at the end of the day, you can't talk about this game without talking about the robbery that took place. Absolutely. And I say that as the Cowboys were awarded a fumble at the end of the game. Jalen Hurts still with a chance. Again, four minutes left. I believe this is where, I mean, it was like our last, one of our last possessions of the game. It just hit Alshon Jeffrey on a long bomb. I mean, he didn't hit him. Uh, the Cowboys hit him. Yes. It was a pass interference. interference call. Eagles set up prime position to score, still maybe get the ball back. We had timeouts left, I believe, at that point. Two of them still. And Jalen Hurts tucks the ball down, gets tackled, knee obviously hits the ground, ball gets pulled out after the fact. And even after instant replay, the officials come out, they award the ball to Dallas, and you're left there scratching your head. You check out social media tens of thousands of fans even ones that have no affiliation for the or, you know uh, affiliation to Philadelphia or rooting interest in the game say it's a robbery the the national broadcasters saying it's a robbery mm-hmm. G- you know them bringing in Dean Blandino and
1: Dean Bland's like oh they're going to overturn this one it's very clearly he's very clearly down you see his knee right here the ball's still in his hand yeah, they're
0: circling things with their little little point with their clicks. surface you know pros you I mean like unreal what is the point of instant replay? Yeah. What is the point of replay review? What's the point you, of having rules? Have, what's the point of having 8K cameras where you can literally see every blade of grass? Like, like, there's never a more obvious description of clear and obvious. You have picture evidence. How is it that a guy dragging his toes around, across beads of chalk on the ground... We're able to pick that up and determine it with a freeze frame and with the still and with the zoom and with the this and with the that. And yet something as clear and obvious as a player's knee being on the ground, the ball being in his hand. Look, it's here. We see it. Even people who don't know the game know what's happening, and they mess up this call. It is astonishing. It is disgusting. And it is a shame that we do not get to actually see how that game would have played out if there were... What uh, even remotely competent officiating?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was, it was, it was pretty pathetic. I mean, like if that's.
0: And it's a shame that that has to overshadow the game because I would love to get here and beat my chest, talk about how Doug Peterson shit the bed, how the Eagles dropped the ball, and yeah, all that stuff is true. True, but there's still a part of me that will sit here and wonder. Well, you know what? What if we didn't get robbed? What if Jerry? Well, you know, I don't want to sit here and come out with unfounded accusations. I'm not Fox News, but yeah. you know, I I was gonna say, what if Jerry Jones weren't paying the officials? But yeah. you know. I have no proof of that. Right. But, you know, what, what th- there has to be some sort of excuse as to how these guys are so bad at their jobs and constantly giving a chance. Like, you had camera, you had replay, you had all the time in the world to rectify this mistake, and they doubled down on it. It, it, and it the, makes no it, took,
1: sense. it took two minutes like it took so long. It uh, and a full commercial break. Yeah, a, a full commercial break. It wasn't even done. Still had to wait for them to march back out there. Man, it I was it was viscerally upsetting. I was so upset that I upset my girlfriend with how upset I was because it was a game. But also, it's dumb. The, like if the rules are there because that's how the game is played, it's structured within the set of rules. And then if you just seemingly just decide to not follow those rules, the whole thing feels invalidated. It feels like, well, then why are you know, uh, one, like so now you can grab the face mask too? Is that going to be part of it? You're just not going to, like, oh, we're just not going to call face mask calls? Or we're just not going to call pass interference calls? You know, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, now it's three downs. You know, like, why the hell,
0: why even bother? Exactly. So we're going to see where this season goes, but it's kind of bullshit. And... You know, it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. The Eagles' final game of the season, which would have been a winner take all, you know, battle royale for the NFC East Crown, becomes really unexciting and they still flex us to Sunday night. So we got to get all the pageantry and lights as if it's some big deal, yet still feel like we're getting punched in the gut. Yeah, they guess it's decided for three other teams. Exactly. Like, really just sucks. And yet. You know, I'd be angry. I'd still be bummed if the season ended in a way that felt like it were just and reasonable. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, even though the odds were against us, Jalen Hurts has a tendency to come back and make those big plays. We had a shot, and it just is is a, is a shame. It is.
1: Well, that just about wraps it up for us here at the Balls Over the Top podcast. As always, you can reach out to us on our social medias. We're at BOTT Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: Yeah, and you can keep an eye out for our NFL prediction shows, which we are going to have our regular season finale coming out later this week. We do not have a Thursday night game, so that will probably be coming closer to the weekend. Yeah. But it'll be fun. We're going to have, again, all of the games to preview. We'll definitely keynote the ones that have playoff implications. And then we start off the new year. All the domestic campaigns open. We have a transfer window opening up. We got a lot of exciting things to talk about football's rolling into the playoffs, hockey dropping the puck, basketball getting into full swing. So. We're going to have a lot for you this new year, and we just want to take a second before the end of this year to say thank you for you guys for hopping in on this journey with us. Yeah, first for year, First year us. of the podcast in the books. We hope 2021 is better for the podcast and better for the whole world. Yeah. And we appreciate you guys inviting us into your ears and listening to what we have to say. So thank you for listening. We will be back with you soon, and have a happy new year.
1: Yeah, happy new year, everybody.